0: the supply chain is a useful scapegoat these days for just about anything late to a meeting forget to take out the trash just say look it wasn't my fault it was the supply chain welcome to triple click where we bring the game news to you this week we're rounding up some big gaming news from the last couple of months from activision's board to Switch's sales success to steam deck delays and something called nfts not sure what those are let's get into it
1: I'm Kirk Hamilton.
2: I'm Maddie Myers. And
1: I'm Jason Schreier. Hello.
2: Hey
0: there. Hello, Hello,
1: Hello. friends. Hello, triple-click friends. It is currently Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our U.S. listeners. Yeah, to everybody who celebrates Thanksgiving. Uh, Hopefully it's not super stressful for you. As this episode goes live, I will be cooking up a storm. Well, actually, this episode goes live at midnight. But in I was a few about to hours, I'll be cooking up a Well, maybe we will be putting up the turkey in. I mean, it, storm, it depends yeah. on how long, long Jason long takes prep cook. very seriously. I do a 16-hour slow cook of my, uh, uh, of my wow. turkey. Wow. Wow. Um, okay. It comes out it comes out black as a crisp, and <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Just right. I like to I like to make a terrible turkey and just feed it to my <laughs> guests and really force dry, it down their throats. Bone dry yeah, I, I get that. I get that. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm hosting Thanksgiving this year, which will be, mm. which will be very exciting. You're,
0: a, you're, you're having, fully an adult. Well, um, speaking of terrible turkeys, these three terrible turkeys are totally <laughs> listener supported
3: <laughs> and by
0: all of you. You make our turkeydom possible. We really appreciate your support. And if you would like to support the creation of Triple Click, you can do so by becoming a Maximum Fund member at slash join. And you're going to get access to all these bonus episodes if you do that. More podcasts than you could possibly listen to in a lifetime. Is that true? <laughs> I don't know. you can shake a, shit a stick at. <laughs> There's <laughs> really only one way to find out, <laughs> out. Um, and that's to become a member and uh, try to listen to them all. But we've done a ton of bonus episodes. Our most recent one, it's going to be in a week or so. It's going to come out a little bit into December. We're running a little behind because Thanksgiving. It's going to be all about Battles Royale and Squid Game and the film Battle Royale and probably the Hunger Games and Danganronpa and PUBG and Fortnite. and I don't know. We're going to talk <laughs> about the concept of Battle Royale. <laughs> In media in general, and we're going to spoil some things. It's going to be why fun. people like it so much. That's a yeah. Fun, why it's a so fun, appealing? Like there's yeah. there's a death lot games. there to talk about. Psych-y why do thing? we
2: love yeah. death? Why games?
0: do we love death games? So that's going to be this coming month. But there's all kinds of beans casts and chats and other things uh, in the maximum fun bonus feed. So again, that's MaximumFun.org slash join. Become a member. Support this show, get bonus stuff. All right, Do it. So we're talking. Uh, we're talking about the news today, Maddie. What? Uh, what yeah. are we talking about? Take us away.
2: The news.
0: News. Heard news of, it? of the world. We have a
2: lot. We have a lot of news we can talk about here today, yeah. and not all of it is breaking. But no. this very first one on our list. Oh boy, Activision Blizzard. We got to dive back into the Activision Blizzard. Swamp. I'm gonna call it a swamp. Breaking my
0: spirit, more like.
2: I know, but hey, that's why it's first. <laughs> I so when we recorded last week, I know we repeatedly time stamped it because I, I think at least in my heart of hearts, I was like, Bobby Kotick is totally gonna resign like tomorrow, mm. and like Kirk's gonna have to bing in something about that guy <laughs> leaving. Nope. Hasn't happened, folks. We would
1: have loved to do that thing. (laughs) Unfortunately, I didn't get
0: (laughs) to. Hasn't
2: happened. Yeah,
1: we should. Well, so we should uh, we should zoom out. Right, Jason,
2: you want to do a little recap of what? Let's say this is your very first episode and also your first time thinking about video games. Yeah.
1: What? Yeah, your first time reading, reading <laughs> What's the What's going news? on with
2: Activision Blizzard exactly? Although I
1: think this is one story that's really penetrated the kind of culture, yeah, mainstream is. culture. But She's in case only... you haven't been following, short version is there was a big California lawsuit over the summer um, accused Activision Blizzard as a whole of uh, sexual discrimination and misconduct. Cut to last week, Wall Street Journal reported that Bobby Kotick as the CEO of the company was well aware of a lot of this stuff that has been floating around. Didn't tell the board of directors about it and he himself was a perpetrator of some awful stuff um so we recorded just as that broke a couple of things have happened since then just to update people um one big one is that um bloomberg uh got a hold of a couple of emails one sent by playstation boss jim ryan and one sent by xbox boss phil spencer they were both internal to their respective staffs and they both said Hey, this fucking sucks. Like, what's the deal, Activision? Um, mm-hmm. Phil Spencer even said they're reevaluating their relationship with Activision Blizzard. They both said that Activision had not done enough, essentially implying, like, reading between the lines, there it's like this guy's got to go. Um, and then uh, this morning, we we're recording this on Monday before Thanksgiving. Bobby Kotick um, supposedly said. Wall Street Journal re- reported that Bobby Kotick said he will resign if he can't quickly fix the culture, whatever that means. Which I think is is the kind of story you see when uh, when the guy at the top is like, I'm not going anywhere.
2: It's yeah. But imagine imagine quickly fixing the culture of Activision Blizzard, like leaving aside everything we've learned about Bobby Kotick in the last week or like anyone at the company individually, could any one person Quote quickly fix the culture of Activision Blizzard. Is that is that something that any CEO could do? I don't I don't know that that's possible.
1: So the thing, so the thing that's worth noting here, I've been thinking about this a lot, and obviously talking to a lot of people about this, and there are a couple of issues at play. Um, but a lot of the stories that have come out, both in the California lawsuit and then in subsequent reporting, including by the Wall Street Journal, are older stories. They're not recent stuff that has happened. Um, some of the culture mm. issues are a little bit broader and a little bit like. I mean a lot of the cultural issues that are at Activision Blizzard are, are at every single company in the video game industry. So in 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 to some extent it's kind of like this is like I don't know um uh uh taking one it's like the sca- Activision Blizzard has become the scapegoat for a lot of the industry's ills and in fact we saw a story about Ubisoft stories about Ubisoft last year we saw stories about Riot 3 years ago I'm sure next year will be something else EA is it's their turn um in in the in the spotlight um so like In some way, fixing the culture, I mean, that's impossible because it's like fixing the video game industry's culture, which is just never going to happen until there are more women in leadership roles and it's not like 20% women at these companies, um, which I think was the number at Activision Blizzard, like 20% women working there. So Mm -hmm. that alone is just like ridiculous. Like obviously, Bobby, you're not going and fixing the culture. Um, But I mean, if you were to say like, hey, all these stories happened a few years ago, that would be making a fair point. On the flip side, some of the stories involved him. And when you as a leader are the guy who did a lot of this shit or turned a blind eye to it, then it's like, how can you possibly like remain in charge? And it's clear that he's lost the trust of a lot of his employees. Um, I believe the latest number I saw was over 1600 people have signed their names to a petition calling for him to resign, sign their names. Like that is like mm. pretty, pretty intense and I'm Yeah,
2: it is. And it is also pretty unprecedented for Phil Spencer and Jim Ryan to condemn Activision this way. I can't think of a comparable example to that. No,
1: it's never happened in the games industry before, as far as I I know.
2: So that's something, I guess.
1: That seems surprising to me. I hate to invoke succession,
0: because I think that it is like often not helpful. It's 100% succession. Everyone's been Kirk. doing it's 100%. it. It's 100%. I know everyone's probably been doing it. I haven't been on Twitter. But you know what I mean? It's like it's kind of tacky to compare like fictional things to real things that actually affected real people. But I think that show does have a lot of insight in particular into the like hermetically sealed world of corporate leaders and these kinds of people. And the way that they just don't view the world as mattering in the same way as the rest of us do. And that's been on my mind at least a lot as I think about this. And I sort of try to imagine the decision-making process behind this, like his decision-making process. Lord knows I can't put myself into that guy's head. But also just anybody who might support him at the corporate level or board members. And I kind of can't at all. And it's at least helpful for me to think about that show's portrayal of just how far removed people like that are from the rest of the world and how they almost, it's possible, I think, when you have that much money, that much power, and you live in that kind of rarefied, sealed world, to just not even think of what's happening outside in terms of like it being real or mattering in this certain way. And that, to me, it just makes me think that I will never fully understand what is going on <laughs> at the higher levels of that company, of a company that big, and that whatever happens there is going to happen on terms that I can't fully understand.
2: Right.
1: I don't think it's tacky. I actually think succession feels very true and f- good fiction has that truth yeah. to it. Yeah, you know what I mean, though. It's like when people are like, oh, Trump is, is like Voldemort. You know,
0: like, it, it can whoa. fall into that's, that. Well, Voldemort <laughs> doesn't feel true. Voldemort is. I know, but I'm just,
1: I'm being, I'm treading carefully, is my point. Yeah, okay, that's fine. But I think there's actually one moment in succession that I think captures this perfectly. It's in the most recent season. I, I won't spoil anything, but there's a moment where, like, essentially the Roys are being asked to give Give up their private jet access, and Roman Roy, who's one of the characters, one of the scions of this family, is like, no fucking way, we're not giving up our jets, and is basically like, like, oh, this is bullshit. Like they want us to act like normal people, and and essentially is just like, like, um, talking about their world of being ultra rich as if it's just a completely different world from the people where the rest of the people live and I think one of the biggest issues culturally at Activision Blizzard is pay and salary Um, uh, there are a lot of I mean obviously we saw a lot of stories about women getting paid less than men Um, there's this kind of concept called the Blizzard tax where like if you work at Blizzard you're expected to be paid less and like you're expected to take a pay cut for the the prestige of working at Blizzard Mm -hmm. Um, Activision itself despite making Call of Duty like people who work on Call of Duty despite working on the biggest franchise in the planet um, are are not making a lot of money, especially uh, at the lowest levels. So if you're if you're high up, you might you might get a, a six figure salary and then a six figure bonus on top of that. But if you're in QA or if you're like on a coordinator level or on a contract, you might be lucky to make twenty five dollars an hour, right? So it's like we're talking about such a, a big gap. And I keep thinking about that private jet line when it comes to Bobby Kotick's salary. And that alone, the fact that he has taken so much money, and this has been very widely reported, he was making up of of 40 50, 000, $50 million dollars a year um the fact that he is just happy to just take that amount of money like with no with no problems and just thinks that's an okay thing for any person to do um while people below him like way below him on the chain um have to live with roommates because they can't afford to live by themselves or like have to um can't afford to have kids because they're not being paid enough by his company like that to me alone shows that like you don't understand your culture and you can never Ever be the person to fix this thing. Like, if you as a CEO, it's one thing if you're like, you know what, I'm the CEO, I'm gonna take a million dollars a year. Okay, fine. If you're willing to take $50 million a year while like your employees at the bottom level are not like making enough to live, then that says a lot about you as a person, I think.
2: Yeah, it does. And there's also such a difference that is literally unfathomable between taking a million dollars and 50 million that the three of us can't yeah, even right, imagine no, right. what right. that is. It's, like
1: to me, a million dollars is like, okay, you're at the top of this massive company. That's fair. That's more than enough than you need to live off of. But like when you get to 50 million or even more, like he's a billionaire, legit straight yeah. up a billionaire. So it's not like he needs any of this money. It's really just ridiculous. Uh,
2: yeah. And then to read about the, the working conditions of people who are doing QA for Call of Duty and mm-hmm. just can't afford to do anything in their hometowns and they're working incredibly long hours it's it's night and day I, but hey uh i guess i guess karik is going to keep his job that seems Normal and fine. I, seems normal,
1: know. anyways.
0: Not it does
2: fine, seem normal. <laughs> does.
1: So, the one important part of this is that his job is in the fate of the board of directors, right? Like, they are the people who can vote him off. Their fate is in the hands of the shareholders, and there's a shareholder vote every so often. I think it's once a year to determine who the board is and if they all get to keep their jobs. So, we'll see what happens next year when they do that. I think it's in June, probably the next one. Um, but Bobby Kodak is essentially like it's the board can put it up to a vote and say, hey, we're going to remove him or we're going to keep him around, whatever it is. The board of directors is made up of his like pals, like people who have been there. If you look through the list, a lot of those people have been there for at least 18 years. And that really says it all. Those people have made a shitload of money by sticking with him. They're all buddies. They're like, it's literally a boys club. There are two women on the board, but both of them joined relatively recently um, and uh, uh, don't have, like aren't games people. They're, they're not people who can from the video game industry. Um, But like the bulk of people on that board, most of them, I believe it's six out of the 10, are like well entrenched in Activision. One guy like was an Activision marketing director in 1995. Other people like have been on the board since 2003 or 1997. And then two of them are Bobby and his like longtime business partner, Brian Kelly. So the chances of those people like getting together and voting him off seem very slim. That's that's ultimately what it comes down to.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Oof. All right. Let's let's go to another topic simply because I feel as though I've been mired in the swamp and I want to step out of it yeah, to but- something else that I guess is also a swamp if you are one of our poor listeners who's who's looking for holiday gifts this season and you really <laughs> want a new console and you you maybe don't have one yet. But let's talk let's talk about the consoles, shall we? The Switch Still, still the goat, still the greatest. Still meet normies <laughs> every single day, telling me they they got a switch for the first time and they're so excited about it. Love ah, that. Kid, I I'd love to hear from you too. What what you've seen in your your respective friends groups and also <laughs> whatever business reporting you're reading about the consoles. I just see the switch everywhere in my normie circles, and that's always nice to see. Uh, but Jason, what? How about you? What kinds of Buzz, are you seeing about the consoles at this stage in their life cycle?
1: Yeah, my non-gaming friends, my normie circles, as you call them, um... The, I haven't actually seen a lot of interest in the PS5 or Xbox. Like they're all just sticking with what they have, which makes sense because mm-hmm. there's not unless you're like really into technical specs or Demon Souls. There's not there's no reason you need a <laughs> PS5 right now, right? Like the the interest is coming from people who are more hardcore gamers, which is a huge huge number of people. Um but you're, you're my average like kind of casual gaming friend. Um probably doesn't care that much that they can't find one this holiday that that said I think a lot of like parents out there are pretty bummed that they can't find a ps5 or an xbox series x um to get for black friday or they have to like jump through hoops to find one that that kind of sucks
2: yeah it is kind of cool that um I can't believe I'm saying something nice about microsoft again but here I go Uh, they added a bunch of games to the xbox one it, and not just the Xbox Series X recently, mm-hmm. like as backwards compatible titles. And I I just, I, I will say I get a free copy of Xbox Game Pass. Everybody at Polygon does. So we all get to use it all the time. But even if it weren't free, I'm like, damn, there's a lot of games on Xbox Game Pass. And a lot of them are playable on a PC. That's something that's pretty cool. However, I don't really hear my normie friends talking about it very much. They pretty much all just talk Mm. about how they have the switch. I'm not sure when Microsoft is going to clear the normie audience, but I haven't seen it yet.
1: So, Maddie, here's a funny story. I went to the Brooklyn Nets game on Friday night, which was uh, fun, weird, because it was my first sporting event since pre-COVID. But um, as I was walking out of the stadium, I overheard like a group of people behind me talking about Xbox Game Pass and what a good deal it was. I don't know if they were normie people or like triple click (laughs) listeners. Maybe they were maybe they were hardcore gamers who are like, oh, that was me. Um, But uh, overheard Xbox Game
0: Pass.
2: Interesting. Kirk, what about you?
0: Um, yeah, I, same with my my friends who aren't big gamers or, you know, who play video games but aren't so cutting edge that they would be trying to track down, particularly a PS5 because those are so hard to get. I don't actually know how hard the Xbox Series X is to also get these things. It's just as hard. It is just, just as hard, hard. okay. Um, but I mostly hear about the PS5, but that's just from, you know, folks in the triple-click uh Discord, like people who are pretty into video games and are trying to get one, where among my friends, yeah, totally a lot of people have gotten Switches in the last year. There's a lot of... I get a lot have a lot of fun conversations with people who are just now playing Breath of the Wild and are like, this game's pretty good. <laughs> <I'm> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah it amazing. is, right. And it's amazing. just fun. It makes me kind of envy them. So yeah, um, same in that regard. It's been interesting looking at the consoles a year on. Like we would back at Kotaku kind of do this one year later thing that we started doing, which was always kind of an interesting project of looking at a console and just doing the state of the console at the end of the year. I just always thought that was kind of an interesting thing because each console can give you a bit of a vertical slice of the whole games industry and how things are doing. Mm. You can you can deduce a lot just by looking at how a given console is doing. Game Pass is an interesting one, right? Because I feel like most recently a lot of people are talking about Forza Horizon 5, oh, yeah. which I've been playing and is really, really fun. And it's fun in a way that... It's really fun to get that game for free, like, or, you know, as part of a subscription, because you can just, it's so playable, you jump into it, and it's like this beautiful, super smooth game that you're just immediately driving cars and having fun. That's a great experience to have for anyone, really, and if you're not into cars, you wouldn't probably go buy that game but you can download it on Game Pass and just play it. And I think a lot—I mean, they've said, right, the numbers for that game are huge because so many people are playing it. Ten million it. players. Yeah, something yeah. super wild, which definitely wouldn't be the case if it weren't there. Back for Blood, I'm not totally sure the numbers on that game. I feel like it's not that big. But it definitely was another case of a game that really benefited from having this large group of people just able to play it immediately. So it does feel like Game Pass continues to be this really good idea and yeah, I mean, Microsoft in general, I don't know, like I get uh, Stephen and Megan's newsletter and Stephen talked with Phil Spencer and he's talking about he's like, just seems kind of like a good dude. <laughs> and
2: like, yeah, just, he's like, like out here with the popular takes. Like, yeah, like emulating games is fine with me. Right. Like, right. NFTs seem slightly overrated. <laughs> like whatever <laughs> he said about them. I'm, those are not direct quotes. Those are extreme paraphrases of Phil Spencer's sure. quotes. Also, yeah.
1: also has a copy of Press Reset on his bookshelf. if you ever zoom in oh boy he's really he knows what to do
0: I'm sure there's some calculation to each of those things that he's saying but at the same time there is this sense that Microsoft even though I see Microsoft as the less essential console, that again, this is something we've said many times, is because they're actually making very friendly decisions to players and they're making it so you don't have to have an Xbox to play their games. You can play them on
1: PC. Right. It's good for consoles to it's not great. be essential. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if the Switch will feel less essential when the Steam Deck comes out. It will um, to me, for sure. I've been thinking about that a lot. Yeah, for, I, I was thinking about that too, because there's so many games that I would just take the, on the Steam Deck instead of the Switch. Because um, you can just play them portably, and yeah, they'll and, and probably play better. And you know, emulators up in there. Oh my god! One well, your yeah. save progress. I mean,
0: having being able to play a game on a portable console and then have my save progress carry over to my PC is just incredible. Like the Switch can do that with a couple of games, and it's really cool mm-hmm. when it can. But it has to be specially implemented, like they did with Hades or Divinity Original Sin too.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I I think it will matter a lot, at least to me, how good it feels in my hands because the yeah, switch that's true. after a while can be somewhat uncomfortable. I I don't have an OLED. I should clarify. I don't know if there's any difference with the width or whatever. I assume not. Where it still kind of cramps your hands after a while. But no, I no, it still about does. That, yeah, with the Steam I have deck. one yeah. Definitely yeah. still cramps. I do your hands.
0: always. I think I've talked about those things before. The big old hoary. Yeah, flip on dudes they're pretty comfortable they remove the rumble which is kind of a bummer i was actually mm-hmm. i'd been playing ace attorney chronicles with those things on and then i played for a little while with the regular joy con and i didn't realize that there are these fun little jolts whenever certain things happen i was like oh that's too <laughs> bad i kind of like this
1: even though it is much more comfortable with those those bigger bigger mitts um something worth saying about the playstation is that we're actually about to enter so next year um it, it seems like uh, the supply chain issues are like seem Prime to go on for at least another year. So yeah, it seems might are like still never hard to find. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it might still be hard to find a PS5 like this time next year even, um, which would be really sad. So wait,
0: are we going to make a bunch of predictions for next year? Oh God, it's going to just keep, it's going <laughs> to um, go on forever. Yeah, it'll be the same oh. prediction. So next
1: year, next year is when it seems like really um going to be a bigger issue because that's when like we'll finally see Horizon and God of War Ragnarok and like some Elden other huge Ring. exclusives. Yeah, well that's Wait, not those exclusive. aren't
0: exclusive, I mean, well exclusive. no
2: but it, people would want to play it on like a good console hypothetically sure. let's assume Is it Horizon also
0: PC. PS4, and God, of War, PS4? Horizon oh. and
1: God of War no they're not they're not exclusives but it'll be yeah. very clear that like like they'll probably feel a little yeah. like hampered when you put, try to play about them on that. PS4 yeah, we'll see um and then there might be actual exclusive. Final Fantasy yeah. 15 was announced as an exclusive, and then there are a couple others that I think are are supposed to be exclusives. Who knows if that'll still be the case? But yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see what happens with Sony next year.
2: Yeah, me too. I, I feel like the sort of fan ish comment that I always see online is like, Oh, you know, Sony didn't have any good games its first year. Why do people even care about the PS5? And I am not here to argue with that. (laughs) Returnal was pretty good. Returnal was pretty good, but I I feel like that isn't the thing that I got out of my PS5. Like I remember feeling like Assassin's Creed played so much better on it and really Mm -hmm. feeling the age of the PS4 after I retired it and being like, oh, right. This is just a new computer that makes everything work significantly better. Mm -hmm. And Obviously, it's really irritating if you're listening to me say that and you still don't have a PS5. I'm sorry. At least you don't have to worry about a ton of exclusive games. Like maybe you're really sad about Returnal and Ratchet and Clank. I I I'm not personally. I still feel like the big benefit is just it's a computer that works better. Yeah. No. Nice. I mean,
0: it's I the I've played two big PS5 games this year and they were both reissued or director's cuts of PS4 games um, Ghost of Tsushima and Death Stranding which are both fantastic on PS5 I mean they are much better having that console has been cool it's a great experience like I it's my gaming console if I'm going to play stuff because it mostly plays PS4 games better you know yep. with, at 60 frames per second with the cool control stuff but yeah it doesn't feel essential yet and I think you're right Jason that midway through next year it'll finally start To feel like okay, it's getting to where you really want one, and hopefully by then, even if it isn't easy in the moment to get one, if you really want one, by then you'll have been able to do it because it is Mm -hmm. possible if you kind of stay at it, it's just an unfortunately frustrating process.
3: Yeah, yeah. One
1: thing I will say is if you don't have one. But you play games on PC, it might be worth getting a dual sense just to play on PC because some games like support the cool mm-hmm. adaptive stuff and it's a good controller. Yeah. Not that yeah. it's easy to get a dual sense either though. <laughs> right. I figured it would be easier. I don't know. It's don't easier, know but
2: it's still not that mm. easy. Also, mm. weirdly hard to get that PS5 remote. I have one of those. And oh really? It's Ooh. A big hit in my That's ass the real ass.
0: collector's it's, item.
2: It kind mm-hmm. of is. Like I got it because Dina was a little nervous about moving into a, a gamer's apartment cohabiting mm-hmm. with a gamer I mean, where fair, i was like enough. we just because watch of all, all our Cheetos television and using Mountain a controller <laughs> yeah I, well that's that'll never be resolved but uh-huh. but but i i just like navigate all of my television shows using a controller and she was sure. like is this really how you live your life like why don't you have a remote like what's going on here and so i got the ps5 remote and we use that for watching tv and it's it's a great compromise folks it's that's that's the real reason we're getting married. It's because we worked it out on this PS5 remote. Thanks a lot, Sony. You did it. Appreciate you, did you. Emily and
0: I have had similar conversations whenever we're watching things on the PS4 where the controller, she's like, I don't know, man, I don't want to touch that thing. Because like, yeah. you know, <laughs> like you sneeze on it and it starts fast forwarding because the triggers do stuff. And oh, you're like, they're no, terrible. no, like. It's no. not good. So, it's almost yeah. like
2: a controller wasn't made to be a TV remote. And <laughs> yeah. PlayStation is the console that has actually accepted this. I think they're the only ones that have put out an actual remote and been like, yeah. you're using this to watch Netflix. Like. Here's the remote. There
0: was a good remote for the Xbox One that I used a lot, but I don't they know if they should bring was it
2: back. I, I. Yeah. I like made fun of the remote a little bit, and then I was like, "This is actually great. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a good it's a good little device." So one year later, love the remote.
1: <laughs> Isn't it crazy to think that like ten years ago we didn't have streaming setups, and now our entire lives are built around them?
2: I know. Remember, yeah. like plugging in your laptop with like a bunch of unwieldy cords, like uh-huh. bringing it to a friend's house and being like, "I downloaded Matrix. <laughs> everybody check gather around. I've yep. got subtitles anyway." Yep. Or
1: or putting a Blu-ray on my Xbox Three. <laughs> 360.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well, some some of us could afford Blu-rays, apparently. Not I. Uh, So (laughs) let's uh, let's talk about the supply chain. I feel like that's a better thing to talk about next um, because Mm. we already touched on it a little bit. So we mentioned the Steam Deck and how pumped we are about it, except it's been delayed a couple months. It is not going to be out in time for the holidays, which... I feel like as soon as we were talking about this in the G chat, Kirk, you were like, I'm never going to get one. Like, you just went full negative and you were like, I'm not going to get it until yes, 2023. I'm shocking, super burned. Shocking, pessimism from well, Kirk. Well, I
0: got burned by the by the purchasing process because did I talk about this on mm-hmm. the show? It was a whole mess. Of course it was. I remember yeah, was thinking going into was... pre-ordering a Steam Deck. I was like, I'm so psyched about this thing. I really want one. And I was like, maybe Valve is going to get this right. And I said that to myself. Like, I had that <laughs> thought, which is just incredible in retrospect, but it was a huge mess. And I did the thing where, like, I had it and I had bought it. Like, I you like paid five dollars to reserve a pre order, but then it didn't really go through. So, an hour later, it was like, psych, actually, you didn't get a pre order. So, then I had to order it again. So, mine isn't coming until God knows oh, boy. when.
2: Hopefully, oh, I have also, as I already said, been seeing. All my friends across the normie gamer spectrum talking about their Switch OLEDs not showing up in time, trying to place Mm -hmm. orders for family members, not being able to get things. And speaking of the Switch OLED, I don't think we talked about this on the show, the, the Switch 4K rumors and just the general issues with supply lines around... Uh, video cards and mm-hmm. technology in general and this is Bloomberg reporting apparently Jason d- not your own but do you want to summarize what your what your coworkers got the scoops your coworkers got about the 4k switch
1: yeah it's been awkward for me to talk about because I have no involvement in the four 4- switch 4k reporting I haven't been part of any of those stories but for some reason like at least, at least a few dozen gamers with a capital G out there believe that it came from me uh, because they just see Bloomberg and they, I guess, they just associated that with me. Um, but no, I mean, so yeah, my colleague Takashi Mochizuki in Japan, um, who has been like leading reporting on the Switch 4K stuff, um, he reported that it didn't happen because of uh, the supply shortage. Essentially, like they couldn't get the chips, um, and yeah, it's not, it's not a hundred percent clear exactly what the sequence of events was and if there there's plans to release a switch 4k at some point in the near future or if they're just going to move on to something else i've heard kind of mixed things myself um and and like with my own actual sources i've heard kind of mixed things um but um but yeah the the short of it was and if you look back at at Mochizuki's reporting you'll see some stuff about an OLED screen which was then announced it's just that his reporting was that the OLED screen version would also be 4K capable when you dock it and then people tore down the dock and like found that there might be some 4K connections in the the new dock that actually shipped mm-hmm. with the switch OLED so to me I mean just as an outside observer obviously I want to believe my colleagues reporting and, and certainly like we have a pretty thorough process for vetting stuff at, at Bloomberg and like editors have to know who like we don't report anything anonymously without the reporter telling the editor who their sources are so so it it can never just be like made up by the reporter there's a lot of like vetting vetting processes that happen here um so um i think signs point to this actually being the case that there was at some point a switch 4k or switch pro or whatever you want to call it planned for launch this year and then the supply shortage kind of screwed it yeah believable to me
0: i mean as someone who knows literally nothing and um (laughs) you know has no sources and hasn't talked to anyone it just it just makes sense to me like i even just playing metroid dread that game doesn't look very good in docked mode like it doesn't run at a very high resolution it doesn't run at a solid 60 frames per second it just seems like that was meant to be a launch title for a slightly more powerful switch it would totally make sense and Mm -hmm. um the, the OLED is also a bit of a head-scratcher. Like, that model of the Switch was just a little weird. It's like, oh, really? They're just going to launch the same exact Switch with a better screen? That just seems like, why would you do that this many
1: years after the Switch came out? Also a weird name. True. Switch yeah. OLED model. Oh, right. and also to your point, Kirk, I, I, it's weird that like they went from the Switch to the Switch Lite to the Switch OLED because that's... Uh, two like iterations that were both meant for handheld only it's weird that they didn't do like mm-hmm. Switch light and then one that's like designed for improvements on the dock so yeah i think you Or right.
2: improvements across the board with both the mm-hmm. LED screen exactly. and right. the 4K when in docked yes. mode which feels like a better all around upgrade it mm-hmm. makes yep. more sense
0: It's interesting to think about it if it is to think about it being the case that this was a delay because even if they announce you know a four k more powerful switch for next year, presumably the steam deck will be out by them and mm. maybe will even be available. and I would think that's actually that could really change. A lot of people's calculus, maybe not because you mm. know Nintendo has its own thing. I wonder. Do you mean
2: calculus like of consumers and like what to buy, yeah. or do you mean like Nintendo's calculus of what to do? Oh
0: no, change it could change it for some people at least. They would it'd probably change it for me if I weren't making a video game podcast and probably getting both. Um, just the con- considering like, well, which am I going to get if I don't want to get two handheld gaming systems? But that is true. That actually, but one of
1: them comes with Breath of the Wild. Yeah, too. <laughs> one is a Nintendo <laughs> console, so
0: maybe. I not, feel like the not.
2: Steam Deck. This is based in absolutely nothing. This is purely anecdotal. That's what I feel we do like here. the Steam Deck is for gamers with a capital G. And mm-hmm. I feel like the Switch has a very different. That's offensive,
1: brand. Maddie. You're right. <laughs> when I think I of gamers of that. the capital of G, that I out, think Kirk. of terrible people. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: do you know, okay, I don't, I don't know how no, else to describe them. No, I know exactly what you're them. saying. Uh,
1: <laughs> hardcore, hardcore players, hardcore enthusiasts.
2: Yeah, people uh, people who are tapped in. Like, if I'm going to compliment them, people who read Polygon.com every single day as opposed to the right. people who accidentally trip into Polygon right. and they're like, oh. No, I'm, the
1: people who just find your Stardew Valley guides. Those right, or because they're people.
2: Googling stuff and they're not paying attention to the URL and so they're uh-huh. they're reading plenty of Polygon but they're not a polygon fan, quote unquote. Like there's a difference (laughs) between those two kinds of readers. And that's totally fine with me and reasonable. But I I think people in the former category, the more hardcore gamers with a capital G or not, are people who care about the Steam Deck, who know about Valve, who have opinions about Gabe Newell and Half-Life 3 and like read a lot of Reddit threads with conspiracy theories in them. (laughs) And then there are people who buy the Switch. And I I'm just curious how that's going to play out next year when both of those consoles are available and in our mind would be competitors, but I don't think they would be in other people's minds. But
1: those same people are the people who care about 4K. Like you don't have a different demographic here unless the switch mm. like 4K is presented in a way that is like, oh, the more powerful switch that your kid has to have this Black Friday or whatever. So now that we're laying
0: this out, I'm actually convinced that this is a horizontal thing and that there's room for both because like, if there's just a new Switch that's the best Switch, that's the Switch you get. And the Switch has such an appeal right. for like people who want to play with their kids or get Animal Crossing yeah, and course. people who want to play Breath of the Wild at the highest resolution. Where, yeah, I mean— the Steam Deck is definitely a more niche thing. I mean, it, the cool thing about the Steam Deck is you can like install Windows on it. You can do all this cool, like weird operating system stuff. Oh my you can, god! Like, I'm so excited. Get at the root level, s- which I think so is so many friggin' cool NES and,
1: games on this thing.
0: It is a much more niche okay, product. Okay, so but I'm,
2: like that is not the fact. The very fact that you're excited about the operating system you can install on it means it's a more niche product. Like yes, apparently. that's that's my point. <laughs> I <Yes>. don't think <laughs> any
1: of us disagree on this, Matty. No. I don't think the Steam Deck is going to be selling 80 million <laughs> units the way the Switch has.
0: No, right. Talking this through has convinced. No. But the people
2: who buy it will buy every single game on it and then not play any of them because that's the classic Steam user experience. So they're going to make a lot of money.
1: That's what Steam is really for. (laughs) The people who buy it will already have thousands of games they haven't played.
0: Right, and they'll be buying more
2: and more at every Steam sale.
0: (laughs) But I think the Steam Deck is going to be a great backlog killer, or like it'll actually be a useful tool for chipping away at your backlog. Maybe maybe you're right, Maddie, and it'll No instead... one's ever chipped away
2: at their Steam backlog, and no right. one ever will. <laughs> it's impossible, and it's never happened.
0: Maybe it will instead be a backlog, uh, just lead to more backlog accumulation, but I could see it being useful for some of those indies and games that I have that I'm like, I want to play loop more Loop Hero, but I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know, I don't want to play it on my PC right now, because I could be playing this or that, where on a Steam Deck maybe I'd be a little more likely, but
1: but you could be right. Yeah, play it while watching TV. Um yeah. Maddie, before we go... No, we're running out of time here, but we have to talk about blockchain because I really we want to do. talk that about one. We do. That was what I was going to hit last. Yeah, right, Look, well, we got
2: a perfect transition from the su- supply chain and lack of video cards over to blockchain and NFT. I, NFTs. I'm not saying that every every single video card is in in the house of a crypto bro. I'm not saying that. <laughs> Only a few of them are. However. That is happening. <laughs> <laughs> that is also happening. They're
1: being used to generate monkeys that you see everywhere on the internet and can't get away from. They're
2: being used to generate uh, strings of characters that are correspondent with mm. a PNG of a monkey, which is very Design. different, Jason. So
1: it's um, important um, to. So, okay. Keep those so, <laughs> every single executive is talking about blockchain and NFTs. And I don't even think that's worth talking about because none of them know what they're talking about. They're all just like, yeah, blockchain is the future, but we don't know what this means yet. It's all (laughs) nonsense meant to like appease investors because when you're talking to investors and shareholders and financial analysts, it's just kind of like, I have to be talking about the hot new buzzword or else they'll think we're dinosaurs. But what I do want to talk about is the one most popular application of blockchain in gaming right now, which is a game called Axie Infinity. Are you guys familiar with this with Axie Infinity? I am. Not really.
2: Only because of this story that i've read so much about nfts but go on for the listener who isn't familiar yeah
1: tell me about it so axie infinity is a game that runs on blockchain and it's called a play to earn game um it was founded a couple of years ago but really became or started a a couple of years ago but really became popular this year especially in the philippines where it has a lot of players who have like don't have great career prospects and so are playing it to actually make money and the way it works is um you like it's it's basically like a pokemon clone you have these creatures called axes and you fight them and you level them up and you uh you you get them more powerful and then the idea is to sell them and make money off of them um to start playing the game you have to have axes and that means you have to buy axes so essentially to get into this game you have to pay in um and tell me if this is starting to sound familiar at this point at this point you you have to buy like three axes I believe to get started. I think it's around like fifteen hundred dollars to get started but but it fluctuates every day so you're paying a significant amount of money to get into this game with the hope that you will be able to sell those axes down the road and earn more later so once again you are buying into this game with the hope that you will earn that you will earn money by selling things to new players now right, right. now people are making money off of it. That is because there are a lot of new players coming and seeing the hype and, and jumping in. Um, does this sound familiar? Does this sound sort of like Cutco knives, maybe, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Uh, Bernie Madoff? Yeah, it sounds like a multi level marketing scheme. Yeah, um, or a Ponzi scheme. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well,
2: it's not, Kirk. That's where you're wrong. It's not those things. No, it's, it's an exciting new technology. <laughs> that is going to change the way we think about video games and the economy. So tell me... Well,
1: hold on. There's one important wrinkle, Kirk, and then I'll I'll throw it to you for a question. But one important (laughs) wrinkle here is that like some giant percentage of players, something like 60% are what's called scholars. And what being a scholar means that inst- you can't afford to, or you don't want to buy the axes. So instead someone else buys them for you, loans them out to you, you play them, level them up. And then you're kind of Sherpa, the person who, who your manager, your capital boss <laughs> um, gets most of the profits and can give you a cut. And it's like up to them what kind of cut you're going to get. Some right. people rip people off. Um, you're essentially getting a job and that person is your boss who has staked (laughs) Mm -hmm. the capital for you to make them more money and (laughs) and they do nothing and profit off of your labor.
2: Yeah. And all of this is like totally different from gold farming and wow. And it's super different from TFT hats (laughs) and Counter-Strike skins for reasons I can't get into now but it's really different from all that stuff that um, I just well
1: it is because it's even more manipulative and then so like a lot of people are like really like like their stories they're like these big puff pieces about how people are like quitting their jobs to make lots of money but um, I think there's also a lot of people who are being really like taken advantage of and like working crazy hours and not seeing a lot from it and there's a lot of fertile ground here that I am certainly going to be reporting more on because this is
0: really it's really awesome crazy meaning. stuff
2: and yeah yeah
1: so
0: Kirk what was your question? Well, I want to pull this out a little bit because, right, what you're describing does sound like gold farming in World of Warcraft and it does sound like an MLM, a multi-level marketing scheme like we've been hearing a lot about lately. It has a lot of the same structural elements. But we're talking about this in terms of NFTs and blockchain. And I think that I understand how that applies here and why that makes this more than just a self-contained video game built around this financing scheme, which any game could do or could have done or has done over the mm-hmm. past 20 years. So could you explain to listeners and possibly to me what, um, how blockchain and NFTs figure into this and then what the implications of that would be that would then get people telling their boards and their investors that they're interested in those technologies?
1: so it's sort of like gold farming except it also destroys the environment because every single (laughs) NFT is just generating incredible amounts of energy and that is both a joke and a serious answer so nothing in Axie Infinity is like was impossible 20 years ago like MUDS MUDs were letting you buy and sell things, WoW was letting you, Diablo 3 had a real money auction house like anything in in games like you could, this technology has always been possible what's different now is that each Axie has its own like you Unique signature because it's a, it's essentially an NFT. It's like a part, a block on the blockchain. It's 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 its own thing, which means so it's like verified in an external piece of
2: technology. Yes. It exists yes. in
0: a real way outside of the game because it yeah. is part of the blockchain.
2: Which theoretically seems better to fans of the blockchain because it means that like EA, for example, isn't in control of the blockchain. It's merely participating with it. These this is what the the devil's advocate, who, who's a fan of these things, would say is it's good if they would have to use use blockchain technology to keep track of it. But that's
1: also not true. Well, so right. that's not also true. Also, not true because, yes, let's say I buy an Axie, a Pikachu, right? And I own the blockchain behind my Pikachu. So when my Pikachu gets to level 99, it's super rare and super valuable. Then the people who make Axie Infinity have no control over my ownership because I own that string of letters and numbers tied to the Pikachu. But if Axie Infinity shut down tomorrow, my string of letters and numbers would be worthless. Like Correct. the Axie Infinity people or EA or whoever still controls the assets and the code and everything that interprets my little blockchain thing. Um, so, so it's completely irrelevant that I just own this thing. I might feel a little bit better about being invested in this economy because I technically own the string of numbers and letters that, that really shows ownership over my Axie, but it's irrelevant like mm-hmm. this entire game could exist without NFT and blockchain. And it would just. Right. Still, I mean, that's part of why be- I
2: do the comparison to TFT hats, because that was what was so fascinating to me in learning about this in the past couple of weeks is that there was an entire economy still is frankly, an entire economy around counter-strike skins and in-game items and in various games that people use as currency to trade other items. And that is like a wild economy that's super fun to read about. And reading some of the really deep blockchain stuff reminds me of reading about those subcultures because there are MLM-like structures and scams and things that have developed around those video game items. And so too are there scammy things that have developed around NFTs and blockchain. I'm leaving the environmental aspect on the table for now because mm-hmm. it's like a whole mm-hmm. other part of it. If we're just talking about blockchain, if we're just talking about blockchain in a vacuum, like the pros and cons of it, it is interesting. But it's not super clear to me reading about it why Valve or EA or whoever would want to use blockchain as opposed to their own proprietary technology for keeping track of video game items and demarcating those items as belonging to each of their games. They have no real motivation to do that other than like the social pressure of blockchain being kind of hip right now and people being like, oh, it's cool and feels safer to me and more secure to me to own something that is on this other platform or at least demarcated there. And I feel like it's scammy in a different way where like people are scamming their investors by like talking about blockchain in that type of way. And like, Hiring people who are affiliated with crypto, but then those people are actually (laughs) going to develop like TF2 hats and like proprietary technology. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like a circle where it becomes TF2 hats again
1: the more popular it gets the more valuable it is for everyone so it's like in everybody right. who is into crypto it's in their best interest to keep talking about it
2: but if it's TF2 hats it's not destroying the environment so what I'm saying That's is we need true. to get back to the TF2 hats again because that was actually good
1: <laughs> the one thing that actually is tangible and different about Axie Infinity is that when you pay and when you cash out you are using a blockchain wallet and all all of the the actual economy is done through cryptocurrency I think it's some like offshoot of Ethereum or something like that so mm-hmm. that has kind of economic Economic benefits in that I could be trading with someone in the Philippines and we wouldn't have to worry as much about tax because it's so unregulated. It's a lot sure. easier for the for the makers of Axie Infinity to run this economy without having to worry about like different governments and exchange rates and currencies because this is a global cryptocurrency. But once that's regulated, it's all going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I would at least throw out, Maddie, when you're talking about the
0: incentives to use NFTs versus right. your own proprietary software is there are legal considerations here, as as far as I understand, that are probably, you know, what, they probably do provide some incentive one way or the other. Yeah. I know that Valve got into some issues with Counter Strike gun skins yeah. that were being traded, I'm sure. and how yeah yeah yeah. So I could see there being an incentive to use an outside you know, a like legally recognized asset class that's outside of your company rather than having full control of everything within your company, because you could be liable for some things if you control everything that you're not liable for if it's outside. This is way out of my area of expertise. Oh, but yeah. that does just come to mind when you mention that. And I want to do at least mention.
2: No, that. that's that's what's fascinating right. about it to me. And I, I'm sure I'm like wildly wrong in my TF2 hat comparison, but I just couldn't stop thinking about those hats whenever I read about crypto <laughs> these past couple uh-huh. of weeks and just I don't know. I feel like they're gonna make a huge comeback in a big way, along with pogs. Those are my two predictions for twenty twenty-two. Right. Uh and for me it's rock band
1: rock band drums are
2: gonna right. be back in yeah, everyone's living the,
1: room. I think yeah. it'll be the auction house. The
2: Super up to up to the moment. Okay. Current great. predictions from the triple. Diablo four three auction house
1: is gonna come back in, okay. in Diablo Four nice. as an NFT. Oh my gosh. Great.
2: You heard it here first. Okay, great. And on that note, let's take a break. We'll be back. Just a second with one more thing.
3: Do you sometimes wonder whatever happened to the kids at your school who really loved Star Trek? You might remember a kid like me, the one who read the Star Trek novels and built starship models. I also took music classes to avoid taking gym classes that required showering after, but I don't see what that really has to do with- Or a kid like me! I introduced myself to kids at my summer camp one year as Wesley, but when the school year started and some of those kids were in my new class, I actually had to explain to my friends that I had tried to take on the identity of my favorite Star Trek character. The shame haunts me to this day. I'm sure some of those Star Trek fans from your childhood grew up to have interesting and productive lives, but we ended up being podcasters. On The Greatest Discovery, you'll hear what happens to two lifelong Star Trek fans who didn't grow up to be great people, They just grew up to be people who love jokes as much as they love Trek. Season 4 of Star Trek Discovery is here, so listen to our new episodes every week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Jesse Thorne, the founder of Maximum Fun. It's the Thanksgiving season, and I want to take this opportunity to thank you, the members of Maximum Fun. This Max Fun drive, your generosity and your love of pins, helped us raise over $90,000 to help bridge the digital divide. Families without internet access struggled to do things that the rest of us might take for granted, especially during COVID. Going to school, applying for jobs, fighting medical care. Your donations help the nonprofit Everyone On. They provide equipment, services, and training to get people online so they can access opportunity. You can find out more about the great work Everyone On does at everyoneon.org. Thanks for supporting Maximum Fun. Thanks for supporting Everyone On. And thanks for being awesome people who want to do good in the world.
2: And we are back with one more thing. Jason, why don't you go first?
1: Sure. Um, I've been playing a few games, one of which I'll talk about again next week. But um, one game I want to talk about is Baba Is You, which is one of my favorite games ever. It's a brilliant puzzle game um, that is difficult to describe (laughs) in (laughs) just a couple sentences, but I'll try. Um, Essentially, you play as an object on a 2D surface. It's like a big 2D map, and you can push other objects around and there are words and letters and you have to use those words and letters to form sentences and they uh, determine the rules of the game so Baba is you is like the core rule and it means you play as Baba and then there's flag is win which means to win you step on a flag and then there's door is shut which means the door can't be open until you find something that is has the property open and then you have to push that into the door to open it and then it gets incredibly like convoluted and mind boggling and it's one of the most brilliant games I've ever played it's it's one of my favorites of all time it's like there's no other game that's given me that like same sort of like, oh, my God, I'm so stupid. Oh, my God, I'm brilliant. Like endorphin <laughs> rush of like solving a puzzle. It's it's brilliant. If you like puzzle games, you have to check it out. Anyway, this past week, um, the creator uh, released a totally free update that includes a map editor and a shh. Ton, metric ton of new <laughs> levels. It's like 150 new levels. So I've been oh playing through goodness. them, and they're brilliant. They're amazing. It's like so so much good stuff. There's like a, a 3D mode that turns everything into like a Doom style, like retro, like 3D map. Really? There's um there's <laughs> there's so much crazy stuff in here. You have to download it and check yeah. it out. There's like a bunch of new words. There's like U two, um U, and then the number two. So if you have two a U uh, and like a U you, two, then you're controlling Prime. two things at oh once. Um, huh. there's like uh, new new words like mimic and like broken and like all sorts of crazy stuff that you just have to dive in and, and jump in like I have been having so much fun like going through these new puzzles and it is really just a play, oh, yes. just a brilliant game everyone needs to check it out Baba is You one of my favorite games ever everyone should go play
2: it yeah it's a great game Kirk how about you
1: I'm playing uh, a g- <laughs> I'm playing a uh,
2: game that
0: I really <laughs> like too actually an older game that I really like called Metal Gear Solid 5 <laughs>
2: Why,
3: what dare I ask? ask? Well,
0: um, so I went on um, the podcast, How Did This Get Played, last week. It's I, think it's I guess it's this week the episode is up to talk about Death Stranding Director's Cut. It was super fun. Shout out to them. We'll link it in show notes if you want to listen to me talk about that game, which is cool because I never really got a chance to talk about that game. But we it's they do this thing every year on that show called Hideo Kajember, which is, I think, a great... <laughs> name for the month and they talk about kojima games every november and so just in talking to them about it they were talking about metal gear um i listened to them the week the week before talking about metal gear 3 and it just got me thinking about metal gear solid 5 the phantom pain and how i never really finished it and i really really liked it but it was also so weird and i just was like i'm going to reinstall this on steam and pick it back up And I did, and I just wanted to tell a couple of quick stories about it. For starters, what a weird game. Kind of a haunted game. Jason, I was talking with you over the weekend about it, and that was my—the word I came away with eventually is it's just—it's a little bit haunted by all the—just everything about it. It's so weirdly unfinished. It's so fleshed out and amazing in some ways and so incomplete and strange in other ways. And it's just a—it's an unusual experience. I picked it up— The way that the game peters out toward the end, I won't get into specifics, but, like, it starts really, really strong, becomes this amazing kind of open-world stealth game, and then the story just kind of runs out of steam, and then soon you just start repeating missions, and it's, like, giving you cutscenes in between repeated missions, and it just really just goes out of focus until it's just little weird pieces everywhere... And I, had, I didn't realize this, but I had never finished it. And there is kind of an ending in the game. So I picked it back up, and I was right at the end, which is also weird because I don't remember stopping at this point. But I was in the middle of this mission where you go to, like, get Quiet back. Quiet's the sniper, the very controversial sniper, who winds up being this important character. And I was, like, in the middle of the mission at a checkpoint. No memory of playing the mission because it was years ago that I played it. And it's I just find Quiet there's this huge extremely problematic cutscene and then like suddenly I'm being attacked (laughs) by tanks and I was like I do not a huge
1: problematic cutscene in a Kojima game yeah can you imagine imagine. it's
0: like the most problematic one in the whole game and I was just like wow like this is already a ton (laughs) has dropped on me
2: thrown into not the deep end but just the ocean immediately yes and it's like remember this remember
0: how to swim and I'm like I don't remember how to swim I don't remember what any of the buttons do so I'm kind of getting killed even though the game is very easy and I was like on my computer being like how to get more ammo in Metal Gear 5. And like just looking
1: up how to play the and game. And then you stumbled upon Polygon and became a Polygon reader. There were,
0: it was kind of before. There aren't a lot of Polygon tips posts for that game, I don't mm. think. Maybe there are, but I found there were on other more random sites. Anyways, I beat that mission, and then at the end of that mission, you replay the first mission. I won't, again, I won't spoil the twist, but and it like shows you the truth of what's going on. And I just hadn't done that. And it was really only about an hour and a half. Of game that was left. Were you
2: ashamed of your words and deeds once you completed it? No. What what were your thoughts on that?
1: (laughs) I was not. But I was really like, huh. And so a couple of remarkable things. Yeah, so you didn't know the big twist of that game, which is so
2: funny. That is funny. A
1: couple of remarkable things.
0: One is that I didn't know there is a twist and I didn't know it. I'd never been spoiled. I'd never seen so. Maybe I'd even seen it and it just went in one ear and out the other because who knows with this game, it's all so
1: kind of weird. Well, yeah, with Kojima stories, it's like it's hard to really be spoiled. When it's like, because well, because the boss and the nonsense. big boss
0: and then there's other big boss and Punished Snake and Venom Snake and, you know, Naked Snake and you're just like, <laughs> okay, I don't know. So, but there is a twist. It is funny. I went and like read an explainer afterwards and I was like, huh, okay, whatever. And then, Jason, you sent me that thing, that the thing that people on which is like the real true ending of
1: the game. No, it wasn't on Earth. This is included in the special edition. Oh, right, of the it's game. on
0: the right. It's on the the Blu-ray or whatever that you can watch. So it's it's basically like the final act of the game. So the game really is incomplete. And I've been watching this twenty-minute thing that like shows all this other stuff that would have happened that would make the story make sense. And it's it's so strange.
3: Well, well a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> you, you're, no, you're right.
0: You're right. You're right. Um, let me walk that back. It would it would make the game feel weirdly more complete despite not making any sense it still. It would add um,
2: more to the story. I think we could say that. Would, that would, fair, would be, right? There would have yes,
0: been more of it. Yes, the
2: game so, um, would be longer. So that's something.
0: So that is something. So anyways, I, I kind of finished that and was like, I kind of want to start this game over. So I started it over. There's a bunch of mods for this game. You will not surprise you that half of them are, are horny as hell. But there are oh, actual sure. also like gameplay mods for this. And one of them is a new game plus mod because there's no new game plus. You have to delete your save from the menu to start a new game. It's just the weird-ass game, man. So there's a New Game Plus mod that gives you all the stuff that you had at the end because I had unlocked a ton of stuff. Unless you just start from the beginning with all your buddies and everything. I started a game like that and was like playing it. I was like, yeah, this game is cool, but it was so easy and so kind of missing something. So I was like, I don't think I like this New Game Plus mod. So I uninstalled it, went back, started, well, didn't start, to skipped the prologue, but like started from the beginning without the mod. And as it turns out for me, the game really needs the bigger structure of like leveling up mother base and tracking down dudes to make it fun. That was the thing that was fun and I I had fun. I'm not going to replay this game it's way too long. But I played a little bit and was like reminded of how That flow works. And it's such a great little system that I haven't seen in a lot of other games where you're out there, you're scanning guys, and you're always looking to be recruiting guys. And you recruit guys just by knocking them out. And then you attach them to that amazing Fulton device, the like parachute device that pulls them up into space. And then they just become brainwashed or whatever and join your team. So you're actually always out when you're playing this game without the new game plus and you're trying to unlock new gear, you're always out looking for like, Oh, that guy. Okay. That guy's a good engineer. All right. And then you need to not kill him. So you have to play non lethally It really encourages that. And the whole system, like the broader leveling system mixes so well with the moment to moment gameplay by forcing you to play non lethally and like get in there and like, you know, you have to get them kind of clear. So no one sees the parachute when it goes up or the reverse parachute. And it's really fun. Like that, Rhythm of that inner, those interlocking systems are fantastic, in addition to the fact that it has really good stealth and is a well designed game. And it just reminded me that that was what I found appealing about the game. I know some people don't like that stuff and wish that the mother base stuff wasn't in there, but for me, that that system, like that flow, was really what I liked.
1: Um, two things first of all, we have to do a beans cast on Metal Gear Solid because that would be that would be uh, fun to do, it would be fun to do, yeah, what's the deal with Hideo Kojima? Um, (laughs) Second, second of all, uh, Kirk, if you uh, if you want. If you like Konami games where you go around recruiting people, then uh, (laughs) next year is going to be an enjoyable experience. That's a good point.
0: That's a good point. It is a little bit uh, Street Coden esque.
2: (laughs) I don't want to talk about that. We don't have to yet. Predictions, <laughs> one those. I don't Not know. Uh, so it's it's my turn. I've been cleaning up my backlog of just this year's games because yeah. it's game of the year season, folks. And we got to debate some games of the year over at Polygon.com. And so I finally went back and I I beat Chicory, which is a game that I think we mentioned in like we one did. of our games roundup episodes. And yeah. I really liked it back then. I played a little bit.
1: I think Kirk and I yeah, both yeah. played It's yeah. great <laughs> Or all
2: three of us. I don't know if you two went back and beat it. I ended up really, really liking Uh, it. and
1: I really
0: want to So I just wanted to shout it out again
2: and and be like, just say I'm really glad I went back and beat it. I liked it before, but now I really love it. It's very cutesy and it's almost moralizing. It's a game about depression. I guessed it on the Depression Mode podcast somewhat recently. We talked about Chickory a lot. And that was a cool. It's a great show. it's, It's a great game. Example for that, where it's like, oh, this is a game about creative burnout and depression. And you're you play as a cute little dog with a paintbrush and she's painting all these environments in the world. And she's the apprentice for a famous artist whose job it was to do that. And the famous artist Chicory is her name. Uh, gets burned out and gives you the brush. And then you have to basically clean up after her failures. And that's the tension of the game. And it gets pretty heavy, but it's also very cute at the same time. And Mm -hmm. at first I was like, I don't know if this is working for me. Like sometimes really cutesy moralizing stuff. I'm like, ah, like how heavy handed can you get? Like, yeah, sure. People get burned out creatively, but I, the writing really grew on me. There are some fun characters and the writing is, is good i don't know it's hitting the spot for me and also the further you go the more you unlock different abilities that are super fun and like zelda-esque and there's like a bunch of dungeons and puzzles that i just genuinely enjoyed the boss battles are freaking awesome like not as hard as Undertale, but Undertale-esque in terms of incorporating mm-hmm. like really intense visuals with a great soundtrack. Who by I think her I think her Twitter name's Coraine, but I don't know her actual name. But she did the music for Celeste. Oh, Lena Rain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and her music's fantastic. And so like just the confluence of like story, really great soundtrack, and visuals, especially in the boss battles, all coming together and fitting the themes. I was like, damn, this game's like firing on all cylinders in a really really cool way, and I dig mm. it, I dig it a lot. So so mm. if anybody else is like me and they- So
1: we should finish
0: it. Yeah, well, saying, well, you know, okay, if, if, if
2: you want, I don't know. I really want it. No, I really it. want
0: to. It's definitely on my list of, of I, yeah, 2021 do, really. games yeah. that I
1: want to go back to.
2: I really dug it. So yeah, if anybody else played the first couple hours and we're like, that seems fine. I, I would recommend circling back to it and checking I out. Wish the I wish I had a
1: Steam Deck. I would totally finish that. That would if be I, a great Steam I Deck game. Play oh on Steam
2: yeah. Deck. It would actually be yeah. really, really good for that.
1: Because it's not on Switch, unfortunately. It's
2: not. It's not. It I, I don't mind it with mouse and keyboard. Like considering that's a game where you're painting stuff, yeah, the it's the actually not too mouse. bad with a mouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I it does make me think like, oh, if only I had a stylus or something. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's a great game, great soundtrack. Yeah. Chicory is what it's called like the food all the animals in this game are named after foods (laughs) it's really cute Uh, so that is that that's another week Um, yeah it is we did it it is happy Thanksgiving everybody
1: enjoy if you are celebrating enjoy your turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce and And your family uh, members potatoes and and your your loved ones.
2: Or not, you know, uh, enjoy that? being alone and like having a cheeseburger or whatever you're doing. You that know? also sounds good. Play some video yeah. games. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds way easier than the twenty hours of cooking I'm gonna be doing. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Whatever <laughs> works. All right.
2: We will see you next week. See you
1: week. guys next week. Yep, see you next week.
2: Bye. Bye.
0: Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod. Send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time.